Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wizards, Warriors, and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. Hi, I'm Dirk Ashton, author of the Paternus Trilogy. Hi, I'm Michael R.R.R.R.R.R. Fletcher. I have recently stolen all the middle initial R's from all those other authors. He is now just George Martin, if you're curious. <laughs> um, or Jay Tolkien. I'm the author of Beyond Redemption and Completely Sane. Passing it on to you, Rob. Um, I'm Rob Hayes. Uh, I'm author of um, many books. I don't know, like 13 of them or something at this point. Who cares? Uh, the latest uh, trilogy is we'll go with War Eternal because, you know, it's recent. <laughs> and well, then, yeah, not one there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars. And today's episode is Compelling Characters. So this is our first episode of. Wizards, Warriors, and Words, which I'm just going to shorten to Triple W from now on. And I thought we could kick things off by discussing our number one tip for writing compelling characters. So, Mike, do you want to start us off with this discussion? Hmm. I've put a lot of thought into this, and I have no idea. Um, so I don't really plan characters very much. I start with a really vague idea, um, usually based around a flaw. Uh, and then I write the book and I kind of learn who that character is as I write. Um, by the end of the book, I have this really, really solid idea of who each character is. And then because I, uh, I'm a glutton for punishment, I go back to the beginning of the book and I go through the whole fucking thing again, rewriting and adding stuff until that character is that character through the entire book. So it seems like I planned it all and oh my God, it's like he really knew wh who that character was, but I totally didn't. It's actually true of plot as well. So you're more of a uh, kind of organic writer who just discovers things as they go along and then you have to kind of go back to make it look like that was what you were originally intending the whole time. Yeah, I wish I was smart enough to plan things because uh, it would probably save a fucking ton of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Dirk, do you want to talk about your number one tip? Um, you know, I, you, my ideas always start with just like, a, well, what if, like with Paternus, what if the mythologies of the world were real, the characters were real, um, and they were all connected in some way to one like little myth theme that then spread across the world and changed. And, um, and it was really from, you know, from that idea uh, that I started, then started thinking, well, who, who would need to be the characters to uh, best um, be able to tell this story through their points of view. And um, uh, I really wanted to have two like regular kind of normal people be caught up in this situation because then we could see their reactions to finding out these things. Um, so I try to, I try to sketch out, I actually do a lot, un unlike Mike, I do a lot of work on character. Um, I sketch out characters, uh, you know, a little bit about their backgrounds. I mean, I don't spend an outrageous amount of time. I don't write these huge bios, but um, I try to just get at least a, a decent idea of their basic character traits, what they're like, what they do, how they grew up, that kind of stuff. And then, um, but it's really, it's really through the writing of the first draft that at first they feel a little wooden and unreal. And then, then at one point when I'm writing, suddenly they take on a life of their own. And then I realize that I have that character down. And then from then on, what they say, what they do, how they react, um, what actions they take are all easy to come up with because they're predicated on what kind of people they are. Uh, so that makes it a lot easier once you get going. And then you can, well, then like Mike does, then I can go back and, and, and tweak some things in the earlier stuff so that it's a consistent type of character. Because, you know, there's nothing, consistency, now, a, a character can surprise you in what they do, but, it, I mean, I've read books where I'm like, that, those characters or that character would not do that, right? It doesn't feel right that they would have made that decision and done that. Um, have you guys ever read a book like that, where that happens? Yeah, um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, really it's really frustrating. It's nice when suddenly a character you might not know very well will suddenly surprise you and you realize that they have this other side. But that's different from just an in inconsistency. Um, so I don't know if that's very helpful advice at all, but that's kind of how it works out I, for me. I think consistency is one of the most um, sort of universal advices towards writing in general, actually. It's just like, you know, especially when you're writing fantasy, fantasy, anything can happen. Um, any character can be anything. They can do essentially anything. Um, but I often find the key is, yeah, making sure it is consistent within the world and within the character. And if they do act out of character, inconsistency, there has to be a reason for it, basically. Right. Yeah, you got to obey. You can make up any rules you want, but you have to obey the rules you make up. Yeah. To a certain extent, anyway. And also, I think partly it's because you're asking readers to make a lot of suspensions of belief in 
your world and your plot and a lot of areas of your story that you need to sort of ground that back with a layer of realism in how people behave to those situations as well, I think. Yeah, that's the joy of writing, um, especially the Manifest Delusions books where everyone is completely insane, is figuring out how everyone's going to act within the framework of their madness and then locking that in like really tight. And so like they will do stuff that will not make sense to the reader, but to, you know, somebody suffering these delusions and, you know, given whatever information they have, like there kind of is no other choice. Um, I think that's one of my, one of my favorite parts of, uh, you know, seeing like uh, reviews of like Beyond Redemption when people sort of get it. It's like, I'm continually surprised by what happens, but each time it's not, gratuitous it's kind of like yeah it makes sense that this is what they decided to do you know given mm -hmm. what's going on around them um and their you know their own personal delusions but i do enjoy being freed from a, uh, you know these sort of constraints of sanity <laughs> i was actually having uh the, a very similar conversation just this morning with some other uh, authors um not you guys there are actually other authors um but we're the most important ones obviously Sure. Uh, it's it's the idea that um, you sometimes see people sort of say, "Oh, this character made a, um, you know stupid decisions in, in the book, you know, idiotic decisions or whatever, which led to <coughs> you know things that didn't need to happen." Happen, and I think the the problem when you start thinking like that is like, well, they, they they can characters can make stupid decisions because people make stupid decisions. You know, that's it happens, and yeah, okay, it's going to lead to further plot advances because well yeah that's it's that's part of writing a book that's part of a story um but as long as the characters are acting yeah consistently okay they can act stupidly they can do stupid things make stupid decisions and that's that's absolutely fine we're about halfway through this episode so Dirk, you have our featured book of the week could you tell us a little bit about it please my book um well i don't have any copies rob has a copy I actually don't have any copies. This is my book that just released last week, War of Gods. It's the final book in the Paternus trilogy. Um, and it's really thick. <laughs> this is, uh, these have been called, uh, this is the first book and book two. And these have been called Epic Urban Fantasy. Uh, takes place in this world, but much more of a kind of epic fantasy uh, narrative. Uh, style and um, story than uh, your typical typical urban fantasy. So that's those. And so pretty. So, pretty. so very, very pretty. For those of you who are listening to the audio only of this, uh, we should have this up on YouTube as well, and you can see the uh, glory of the Paterna series in full <laughs> visuals. They are very thick books, and they have amazing covers as well, so highly recommended. Um, Rob, would you like to continue with your number one tip for writing good characters yeah. um i actually i work in a very similar way to to michael uh mike Fletcher, because we are in fact the same person um we're all part can, of it's like looking in the mirror four times here these pretty sure none of you are real these two are actually computer generated avatars of me so it's really hard for me to be speaking for all three of them so I hope I'm doing it consistently with these. You do a very good job of throwing your voice. The accent's a little bit different, so you might need to work on smoothing that out, I think. I'm not really sure about my character development. I think you kind of slacked there. 
<laughs> you didn't start with a flaw. You know, you needed to build I know, I'm just I'm perfect it. and amazing, and yeah. <laughs> it's not really believable. Well, you're the hero. So, sorry, Rob, continue. <laughs> <laughs> you're going so well, um, and then it's just sidetracked. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, where was I? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I work, uh, I work very, diff uh, very similar to uh, Mike. Um, I, I start with, I, I, I quite often start with, with sort of a trope um, and say, right, this character is going to be the honorable one or this character is going to be the, the arsehole of the group or whatever. Um, and build around that. So as the story goes on, I add more details, flesh them out more, you know, change them here and there. Um, and I mean, it's, it's rare that I actually have a grasp of the character until sort of halfway through the book. And this, this goes for most characters. Um, so then, yeah, again, once I've actually got a grasp of the character, I can go back in editing and add bits, change bits, and uh, you know, sort of flesh them out but more consistently. Um, but uh, so I think, I guess my, my tip, my, my one tip would be your characters can be sort of forged in the editing process rather than the writing process. Um, you can always go back and turn them into sort of like, you know, fully fleshed out um, realistic characters afterwards once you know who they are. I'm just yeah, going to... Oh, sorry, you go. Sure. I was going to say that I think that's um, that's like a, a common mistake for for new writers is thinking that you know when they've written a book they've they've written a book and it's like no 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 that's you've, you've only just started mm -hmm. like unless you're you know Mark Lawrence get ready for like a <laughs> couple of months of like fixing your characters tweaking your plot going back and making all that shit make sense yeah you know well it's like Stephen King says too you know. Uh, it, yeah, it's a mistake to think that you have to begin your book knowing exactly what your characters are, right? And you can outline all you want, but realize that you'll want to change it, and it's okay to change the outline and change the plot. It's okay to go back and fix things. You don't have to be set. You know, people think, okay, I have to have a theme in mind. I have to have this. But Stephen King, a lot of his advice is, you know, a little iffy. Don't use adverb while well, I use all the adverbs. Um, and, uh, but one thing he says is that he never thinks of theme until after the book is done, right? And then he'll go, oh, this book is about this. And then a sub theme might be this. And then he goes back and tweaks through and makes that theme more consistent as he goes. So you don't have to know all these things up front. Just sit down and start writing, get some ideas, get some notes down and and, and that helps a lot. The, the only other thing I was going to uh, bring up too is that it's the same with voice because each character speaks a different way. And it was an incredible challenge for me with these books because I have, you know, uh, you know, a 17 year old character, a 22 year old character who are human. Um, and then I have characters who are literally millions of years old and from cultures all around the world. So they all speak a different way and use a different vocabulary. Um, and it's only once you get sometimes, like Rob said, halfway through that you really get the feel for what words they would use and not use and how they would say things. Um, and who, which characters curse and what words do they use and which ones don't. Um, and then you can go back and fix that 
because that's a large part of character development is how they talk. It's interesting that we're all sort of like hitting on the same idea here that regardless of whether you are a outliner, like Dirk, you seem to be more in that outlining camp or whether you're more of a um, discovery writer like Mike, and I know Rob, you are probably more in that discovery writer camp as well. Um, and I'm an outliner as well, but all of us seem to come back to this same theme of like not really discovering what characters are until you are like deep into the book. Uh, and occasionally there are some characters where it just sort of clicks with me straight away. Um, and those are always like very fun to write because it just feels like they've always been there. But I think um, coming back to, I can't remember who said this earlier, but coming back to, I think it was Mike, you were talking about the Manifest Delusions characters and how what makes them so fascinating to write is the fact that they are extremely different and surprising from average people. And for me, like that's sort of how I think about characters as well is thinking about what are the contradictions that lie at the heart of their personalities that lead to internal conflict within them and result in them making like interesting decisions that are unexpected, but totally appropriate for who they are as people. Um, do you think about, this is a sort of open question to all of you. Do you think about ways that you can distinguish your characters from other characters that are in fiction? And if so, how do you kind of go about that process? Dirk, you were nodding. Do you want to kick us off? Oh, oh sure. Um, I have so many characters. Um, it was, it was a lot easier though than I thought. Um, and on, to be honest, it's like, um, I use basically underneath their trope, their tropes that, you know, there's like the paladin type, um, there's the jokester, you know, there's the trickster, there's the, there's the sly, who's a good guy, but there's the sly scheming bastard who's, you know, a good guy, a bad guy, or a good guy, you don't really ever know. You know, a lot of them are very tropey, so I don't worry too much about, about making them different from other characters in fantasy or fiction. Um, the, uh, the important part is to make them very distinct from other characters within the story. Um, and that then again, again, that goes to how they speak, um, you know, what kind of words they use, what kind of accent they might have. And I have characters from all over the world and all throughout history. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of what their character traits are. And one thing that thrills me to death is that people say that I do a really good, they're amazed that I have that many characters, but I do a real good job making them memorable and distinct. And I never know if I'm really doing that, um, though I try to, but I found that it was actually really easy because once once I came up with the characters or they just kind of inserted themselves, I need this character, they actually kind of bloomed full formed later on. Not the main characters. They were the, there's like a core uh, through five characters. Um, they were the hard ones. Those were the ones I really didn't know, but the other supporting characters kind of just bloomed real. Um, though a lot of those weren't, weren't uh, introduced until the second book, so maybe I had gotten better at it because um, Paternus was my first book. So it, um, 
but yeah, the, the important thing is just to make them, I think, to make them distinct and memorable. Um, you can't have two characters that their names are too similar. And I have some of those issues because they come from mythology. Um, and that, that helps a lot. But the way they speak and what they're like, um, it's, you know, you don't want to have characters that are too very similar where they talk exactly the same and they do exactly the same things. Do you really need those? And I found that even in re rewrites, have you guys done this, Mike and Rob? Have you found that you needed to delete a character but combine some of their characteristics into another one? I've done that. Um, I've, I've deleted characters and then had to rewrite their scenes. Or sorry, I've deleted a character as a point of view character. They're still a character in the book, but now their part of the story is no longer told from their POV. And then right. rewritten all their scenes from somebody else's point of view which actually right. works, it works beautifully because all of a sudden it seems like this is a real character who really did all this stuff in the background. It's like, yeah, because I wrote all that fucking shit. But I haven't actually had to uh, like cut, completely cut a character. Yeah. I think the only time I've completely cut a character from story was when I just cut the story. Uh, it's when I rewrote the entire <laughs> book. I was just like, ah, I'll rewrite this entire thing. And there's like these four or four characters who just aren't in anymore. Goodbye. Uh, which book is that? That was the lessons never learned. The one that I uh, I just I scrapped basically because it was um, crap. So rewrote the entire thing because uh, it was just too bad. Um, I, I think going back to the the idea of uh, having to differentiate characters between other characters in the book to make sure they feel different, there is a sort of uh, a little trick you can use, which is giving characters um, like ticks. Uh, you know, it, it might be that one of them has a specific phrase that, or, or, or a word that they say repeatedly. Like, you know, um, they might like to start uh, their, their dialogue with like, oh, you know, just like, oh, well, blah, 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 or whatever. Uh, or they might, you know, it, it might be a, a specific character that's sort of like that's constantly, I don't know, tugging on their ear just unconsciously. Um, and I think it's, it's not a catch-all, but something like that can certainly help you differentiate between the different characters and make them seem different to the other characters. However, you have to make sure that that character is the only one doing it. Because if, if all the characters start pulling on their ears, it starts to take on a different meaning. <laughs> so we're almost on time for this episode. Um, Mike, do you have any other things to add in on this note of making unique characters? Right. Okay. I don't know about unique characters. I never really actually put any thought into that like whatsoever. Okay. It's just never occurred to me to, to try that. Uh, but the way I approach writing characters is as I'm writing each point of view, um, I just lose myself in the character. I role play basically the scenes from their point of view, given what's happening, how they, how they'd react. Um, so I'm not, I'm not an outside observer. I'm a massively fragmented personality who thinks he's everybody. Um, and so, so that's it. If, if, you, if you are in the story pretending to be that character, it's different than if you're outside the story and trying to make that character do what you need to make the story work the way you think the story is going to work. Now, the problem is, and I do this all the fucking time, is uh, the fuckers write me into a corner because I'm just playing out them doing what they would do. 
And then it gets me into the situation where I'm like, oh, you fucking son of a bitch. Like I'm trapped. Like they get me into places where I'm like, how the fuck are you going to get out of that? And I'm left with the choice of killing them off or like stepping away from the book for a week and wandering around the house going like, how do they get out of this? And either they figure out a way out uh, or they get killed. So I kill a lot of characters because <laughs> they're no fucking fault. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little disturbed by, I'm, my imagination is too good. I'm a little disturbed by the idea of thinking about you acting out and role playing your characters from Beyond Redemption. That's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to all those, you know, instead of therapy, just write a book about crazy people. <laughs> And on that perfectly sane note, I reckon this is a good place to wrap up um, our first episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening or watching, and we'll see you again soon. Hey. Woo! Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for new episodes every single Monday. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.